I'm rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. Okay, so I'm not really excited to talk about the Omen. I mean, Kalusari. The Exorcist. Call You know what it is. <laughs> it's a combination yeah. of the Omen and the Exorcist, and it's very, very boring. You know, there are, yeah, because I guess watching it, the entire plot hinges on the mother stubbornly saying, no, you're not allowed to have a mass for my dead son. Uh, like, it, this is essentially gram, grandma's saying, oh, we need to do this ritual. What does it cost the mother? What would it cost the mother to make grandma happy, to just shut her up, to have to... And, and, and this entire thing would have been avoided because doing the... Well, ri- to, to be fair, getting chicken blood <laughs> out of hardwood floors is extremely difficult. So I understand her. I mean, yeah, but she really needed to tell her mother to put a tarp down and everything would have been fine. Yeah, exactly. I mean, grandma was going to do it anyway. She has to know how stubborn her mother probably is. Uh, and so at least do it with the blessing so you can at least say, well, do it in the backyard where it won't matter. Yeah, because let's not forget that she's Romanian and she would have grown up under communism. Mm. So I think that she probably was was fairly uh, hard, let's say, uh, in, in the vernacular of the youth. So, yeah, I don't really <laughs> know uh, why this episode exists. And I think that it's really not very good. Uh, <laughs> it, it's weird because, like, I don't remember this being a, a terrible episode. But, but I was watching it, of course, and I'm thinking to myself, there, there's really nothing happening in this episode and it's another one of those episodes that i'm finding a pattern with the x-files where there are episodes where Mulder and scully are just there because it's their television show but they don't really do anything and it's not good and i don't know why the show keeps insisting on making episodes where Mulder and scully don't actually do anything at least Mulder calls the uh the the old guys to perform the ritual at the end that's at least one thing he does scully is even worse so i thought what i thought was going to happen when uh scully gets to the house at the end and the demon child is you know doing all of that thing i thought all right here's some here's a moment for scully to break out some of her catholic magic that she has and you know she's going to pray and it's going to stave off the demon enough for these guys to finish the ritual and then this will give scully a great opportunity to philosophize on the nature of faith and all of these things that science can't tell us and you, you know the major theme of scully's catholicism in this show and all it it, it is is a, another moment for scully to get menaced by something and this time by a little boy yeah, yeah, right, because I think that, that Scully getting menaced by a little boy is, is frankly, one of the most terrible things that the show has done. I mean, it, it's one of those things where, well, part of the problem with this episode, of course, is that it really hinges on the, the child actor who was playing uh, uh, Teddy and Michael, I think. No, Teddy, I thought, was the baby. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> Chuck, I don't know what that, whatever their names are. But the thing is, like, it's obviously, I don't know if it's played by the, the same um, Yeah the same child or if it was uh, twins I, I i don't know i didn't look it up uh but he's not very <laughs> good and I, I i always feel a little bit churlish no. criticizing child actors because you know they're children but at the same time uh the quality of children's acting has gone yeah. up so much in the past like 10 or 20 years that it's difficult to in the well, same, like I remember talking about episodes of TNG that had to deal with children that had uh, children as like a a central guest star in the episode, and the success or failure of those yeah. episodes really, really, really hinged on whether or not the actor who was the child in that episode was doing a good job or not. And so, so it's it's one of those things where it's like when you write an episode like this, you ha- you're really rolling the dice that you're going to find a child actor to do a good job and they did not do that yeah. in this episode they didn't they were not successful in that role of the dice i mean in general x files has not been good at casting children um eve i remember being okay but that was about it right um and yeah like i think eve worked okay but eve was also a much more it was much more heavily plotted than this yeah. episode. So even if like the children in Eve weren't doing the best job, they were doing okay. And the episode moved along so quickly and had about four different plots yeah. going on that it didn't really matter. Whereas this episode is essentially a series of creepy scenes with one revelation towards the end that he had a, 
a twin that died or whatever. And then now they have this ritual and it's like, okay, but that's not really that interesting. And I mean, you, you know, we were saying this is half exorcist and half the omen, which to a degree, I think that's the point of it. They saw, they wanted to make something along those lines and that's okay. I can see a good version of that episode. That's not this episode, but I don't remember the omen too well in terms of the child actor, but I am comparing this kid to Linda Blair, who was really good in The Exorcist. And, you know, yes, that's really unfair to this kid. He uh, Obviously, it's very different situations, different budgets and, and everything. But at the same time, if I want to watch a story about a possessed child, I'm going to watch The Exorcist because it's much better done. Yeah, because I, I I'm with you. Like I think that the impulse to want to put the X Files stamp on a standard supernatural yeah. type story is fine, and I think that they've done that before to to great effect. Like something like Ice, for example, right? Yeah, like, that's a standard sort of thing. That's kind of the thing. Of, yeah, right. It, exactly, and and they did a very good job with it because it was grounded in. Part of that is like it's grounded in the characters of Mulder and Scully, and it also was very, very well acted and plotted and written. Whereas this episode doesn't, I mean, you could have this episode without Mulder and Scully, and I don't really think anything would have changed except for maybe the fact that it would have taken the old men a little bit longer to f- perform the ritual. But for the most part, they, they show up, they don't yeah. really do anything. And it's episodes like this that that make you wonder how they became FBI agents because they seem very bad at this. Uh, and, and, you know, I just don't know. I mean, I, I, I think that I wonder about the, cause I, I, I think the, the, the woman who wrote this episode, I, I don't, re- I don't recognize her name. And so I don't know that she was a staff writer on the show. It could have been that she put in a spec script and, you know, yeah. standard stuff. Uh, so it could just be that when, when scripts come in from writers that do not write for the show, you know, on staff, something about the episode just doesn't sing. Yeah, yeah. I, in a way, since this this could have been this could have been a story with two completely different characters, and then she, you know, decided to submit it to the X Files, and then it's just take out agents uh, Hartley and Johansson and put in Mulder and Scully. Um, I, what I, I mean, one of the paradoxically one of the things that I hated most about this episode, but even be, you're you're right, because they seem bad at their jobs in this episode. Everybody in the hospital is terrible at their job. I mean, at the end of this episode, you have a hospital room where a woman was attacked, and and this hospital room is not being guarded. This hospital room allows four strangers to come in, close the door, perform a ritual, which is very loud, where the child is screaming, and the next morning, the nurse is going to come in and see a swastika painted in the child's own blood on his chest. I mean, none of this is a a show about a a demonic child coming and possessing people and committing murders and all of these things does not work if the rest of it is not grounded in reality, oddly enough. I, yeah, I, I think I know what you mean, because the, the best X-Files episodes, I think, take, well, they, well let's, let's hum, go to, humbug aside, yeah. I mean, like. But I, I want to just say Humbug does a good job of creating its own sub-reality within, I mean, it, it is very explicitly in this episode, this is, uh, this is kind of a subculture, this is a weird niche, but, so if it doesn't quite follow the same rules, that's okay because this is a place that doesn't follow the rules, but it feels grounded in its own reality. Yeah, no, I know what you mean because I, I think that I've really hit on what is the problem with Kalushari. I think I was pronouncing it yeah. Kalushari, but but really, who cares? Kalamari. No, that's so offensive. That what, what it really comes down to for me is that, yeah, you're right, like the best X-Files episodes – take the supernatural element and ground it in a sort of reality and everyone takes it very seriously and acts appropriately in the way that you would if something like this was actually happening whereas an episode like this it it feels as though all of the characters know that they're in the omen and they're not taking it seriously because hey it's just a television show and so you've got these moments that are very very TV-ish. They don't hang together very well. Scenes don't really make a lot of sense like in a flow. Uh, You know, like there's a lot of good 
individual scenes mm. in this episode. I think that the the opener, the cold open for this episode is very well executed and I think it's very well done. Uh, you know, I think of, of you know, the, the exor- whatever you think of the exorcism scene, it was competently executed, yeah, right? Yeah, it looked cool. It looked different. The ritual scenes were filmed dramatically and were fine as just a, if this was a, if, if, if I was watching them as a music video, it would be a cool music video kind of thing, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Or like the the chicken coming to life and and pecking the grandmother yeah. to death, I mean, things like that. <laughs> yeah, the, the the individual scenes are very well executed, but they just don't hang together as a coherent television episode at all. It's, yeah, so I guess what what's the point? What what where, was there a lesson we were supposed to learn from this, or was this just a bunch of weird shit that happened? Because I mean. The X Files is not a, not necessarily a preachy show. It's not one. It's not Star Trek: The Original Series, but um, I, I mean, an episode like Emasculata has a theme, and it's, it's, even if it's as simple as there are some, you know, th- there's some dangerous things in the world, and, and science needs to check its progress responsibly. It may be a simple theme, but at least that's something that certain episodes are saying. What is this episode saying? Anything? I, I don't think it is, and I, I think you're right. That Hold the a X-Files, funeral for your if your child dies and if your child is stillborn. That's about it. Yeah, like make sure that your grandmother – make sure you let your mother do her weird Romanian uh, Christian rituals. Uh, no, like I think you're right that, that The X-Files is not a preachy show. The X-Files is not a message show. But there are episodes that certainly go in that direction. And I think that pr- primarily why this episode doesn't work for me is that – it it's not a preachy episode, so that's fine. But it's it's yeah. just supposed to be a bunch of creepy shit. And again, that's okay. But you still need to have a coherent through line to the episode. And it just seems to me that you know, like a perfect example is the revelation that he had a twin that yeah. died, right? And that comes very late in the episode, and it almost seems like an attempt by. Uh, someone who got the second or third draft of this script yeah. to sort of try and fix it and, and, and gin it up a little bit to make it more interesting. I, I just like and it, but again, that that is not good because it goes to the idea that Mulder and Scully are not very good at their jobs in this episode, because why didn't they know that? Yeah, like, that would be a matter of public record. And even if it wasn't a matter of public record, let's say for whatever reason, the hospital records were sealed. You know, they're FBI agents. They can find I, this stuff out. And, and, and I mean, even more directly, while the mother is not necessarily working with Mulder and Scully, the father, who's a State Department, be, because of his government ties, he is very willing to work with Mulder and Scully. I mean, there's the one scene when they're telling him to go to the social – they need to go to the social worker before he gets killed. I mean, you would think there would have been a moment that he would have mentioned it. You know, my things have been very difficult in my family. You know, our, our – he was a twin who was stillborn and our baby died now this kind of stuff I yeah don't know. and it, it, incidentally the guy who plays the father in this episode reminded me a lot of the actor who played the mayor in this in season three of buffy and i kept okay. expecting him to turn into a giant <laughs> snake in his office when he was talking to Mulder and scully and eat them uh but, the social worker is played by dolores herbig from uh dead like me which it was it was nice to see we we're, we're going to also we've, we've seen a lot of familiar faces this week and we'll leave it at that and we'll leave it at that. Yeah. No, I, I think that's right because, you know, that's the other pro- problem with the episode, right? Is that there's this weird tension between and among the the grandmother or the mother, I guess, uh, the father, his wife. They, you know, there's there's an, there's an implication that the, the, the father is not very comfortable with this Romanian mythology and neither is mm. his wife, but their mother, her mother comes to live with them. And it's just kind of this like old world versus new world thing that's kind of half baked. Yeah, I would say really it's, that could it. be the theme, but that's not treated at that. There's no. It's not as if the episode is saying, well, here's some people who abandoned the old ways and it's coming back to bite them and it's only by a return to – like that would be a theme. That would at least be something that it's saying and it doesn't even seem to be saying it that clearly. That's – again, that's me trying to pull it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Because I think that that what it really comes down to for me as well is the idea that the sun was – 
possessed by the spirit of his <laughs> dead brother who apparently is also satan or something and it's just like what <laughs> is I, like fundamentally like the episode even loses the narrative thread like at about minute 30 because i honestly yeah. could not tell you what happened at the end of it i mean i assume that they exercised the spirit of his dead brother and he's and you know of course you get that like and that's the thing it's just it's so yeah uh, it's so half-assed i like, mean there's there's that one line early on when the grandmother is saying like, oh, you, 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 of course you're a devil. You're going to have a devil child and all of that. Like implying that like there's something wrong with the father, right? And, or that he's done something wrong or that maybe he is abusing his, I mean, this episode begins with this, uh, with, with, by, this episode begins with invoking Munchausen by proxy and ch- severe child abuse and, None of that happened. You know, it, it, it's not as if this is a sh- this is an episode about cycles of abuse coming to perpetuate themselves, which are externalized in the persona of this demon that needs to be exercised, kind of a thing. And the evil can come back at any point. Uh, if that had been what the episode would have been about, that would have been fine. Okay, you have a father who is publicly facing. He has a good government job. He's a nice guy, but. You know, he's abusing his son for whatever reason, even if it's just not not as seriously as poisoning him, but perhaps just a simple neglect or something like that. And and as a result, the child is becoming dark and withdrawn and, and angry himself, and how do we expiate that anger? And that kind of, again, that would have been an episode about something. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right, because, I mean, maybe that would have been too dark for the show at this point. I but don't this, know. I mean, this is an episode that begins with a two-year-old child getting run over by a train, so I, I, this episode was comfortable going dark. Yes, but to be clear, they, they did not show the child actually getting hit by the train. That would be a bit yeah. too much. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right, and I, I, I do wonder about that, because... There, there's all I'm thinking about that scene where Mulder and Scully go to the house for the first time and Scully sees the grandmother mm-hmm. uh, put some weird Romanian stuff in the, the soup or whatever she's she's going to feed the kid. And, you know, Scully's like, what the fuck was that? What did you put in there? And she basically is just like, eh, you know, whatever. But like Scully doesn't do anything with yeah. that information and she doesn't go, hey, I asked you a question. What did you just give him? I, I mean, after she puts the stuff in the sauce or whatever, everyone's det- attention is distracted. Scully has the opportunity to grab a cup, grab a couple spoons of the sauce and have it tested later, which is what I think Scully, the real Scully would do, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, that that kind of is a perfect way to put it. It seems like this is not the real Mulder and Scully. Yeah. You know, these are these are clones from uh, Endgame or something, <laughs> and they just found out. I mean, it's very, very strange. And I think that's really what it comes down to. What is so disappointing about this episode is that at every turn, it takes the, I think, laziest choice mm. or the laziest possible path and doesn't do anything interesting at all or subversive or even just entertaining. I mean, like, yeah. even at that basic level, I don't think this episode is very entertaining. You know, we disagreed with the, uh, I forget the episode, but with the satanic town and the high school and the one teacher and the, uh, that episode. Dahan um, de Verlitz. Yeah, um, we disagreed about that episode. I think we both agreed it was a bad episode, and it's a bad episode for a lot of the same reasons that this is a bad episode. But at least I found Dihan de Verlitz to be a funny campy over the top outrageous episode at least weird at least when weird shit was going on in that episode it was appropriately weird yeah because doesn't it kind of feel like the show is beyond this at this point like doing this kind of by the numbers very very basic obvious plot is is like outside of the show's vernacular at this point but it's i mean it's not necessarily it's not as if every episode of Season two has I will obviously talk about this when we're done with this, but season two has been a very frustrating season. Yes, I I, I would agree with you, and I I'm I wonder ready for, I'm ready for it to finally come out of its shell because it's still every time it does something really good, it just falls back into some old habits like here. And I wish I could say that it was better than this at this point, but 
I guess I'm going to have to see season three. Like, I feel like it's going to happen soon. I, I think that, that you're, you will be satisfied for the most part with season yeah. three. I mean, certainly I don't think that the X-Files ever becomes, let's say, consistent. Yeah, but I, I, I it, can... There there are a few seasons there where the show is is more often than not, I would say, yeah. 80, 90% of the time is is interesting at least that's at least yeah i mean it's it that's a sad baseline but that's where i'm waiting for the show to always get to yeah yeah it it does get there take take heart take heart richard all right well i i think that we can we can uh uh take the chicken out back and 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 bury it because bury it i'm gonna fry it up it's gonna be delicious so uh, oddest thing about this i don't know the Watching the show, you have moments of this was 20 years ago. This was a very different time. Um, The kid in the front seat of the car was a very weird thing to see, of all things. I mean, I remember I was around 10 at around this time. Uh, This is, what, 95? So I'm like 12. But I was sitting in the front seat of cars. That wasn't done. And then you had kids. Now you have, I think, kids that age in car seats. Like, so, I don't know. It it was funny to see that from a Tech Marches On perspective. Yeah, no, I agree with you. (laughs) This is a side point, but uh, maybe other people will find this as shocking as I do. But um, I was was watching something, or I think a movie or a television show, or maybe I was reading a book. I don't remember. But it, it said something about how... Uh, it was basically like t- it took place in the 80s and and, and and someone said to another adult, like, you wear a seatbelt? And I was like, that's strange. Huh. So I looked up the statistics for adults wearing seatbelts, which they have, which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and it was something like some ridiculously low percentage of adults didn't wear a seatbelt until like the 90s. I found it amazing. I mean, it wasn't like the 60s or 70s was when, uh, I mean, it wasn't really till Ralph Nader to, that you have seatbelts as having to be in every car, right? Yeah, it like wasn't. That, that think, was a thing, too. Yeah, it wasn't until like the 70s that seatbelts were a, a standard safety feature by law. And still most people, like, it was like literally like 20% of adults wore a seatbelt until the 90s. And that's why those, that's why I always wondered about those seatbelt laws and why they were so controversial. Yeah. They were controversial because no one wore their fucking seatbelt. That's crazy. And now it's like 90% of adults or 95% of adults wear a seatbelt. So it's just. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, when when someone's like, I'm not going to wear a seatbelt, like, why? (laughs) It's like, what do you want to die? Anyway. Uh, uh, uh. Well, speaking of dying, let's talk about FM Escalada. (laughs) (laughs) I, I like this episode a lot. I think it's. I like it. I don't know. What do you think? I, I liked this episode. There was. I needed to process the end you know the plot of it and there's some holes definitely in it uh and 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 the holes in the plot weren't aren't ones that just revealed themselves afterwards they were ones that i noticed while watching it but at the same time as far as a good body horror x-files episode this was a very good one i mean this is not a it's interesting that this is not at all a supernatural episode in its way, everything is very within the realms of biology, if maybe a little more extreme than normal. But yeah, I I, I think that this episode is interesting for for a very particular reason, and that is this is in some senses a crossover between a, a standalone and a, and a mythology episode. Yeah, and you know you get an appearance of the cigarette smoking man, cancer man. You get an appearance of Skinner. Uh, you know, you get Mulder in the office going, why the hell are you doing this? The truth needs to come out. You know, all that yeah. kind of standard mythology uh, episode stuff. But it has nothing to do with aliens. It has nothing to do with any of the standard sort of mythology uh, plot lines or, or subject matter. And so I think it's kind of at, at this point in the show that they had started to get traction, I think, in the media for this ongoing storyline the the show it was this was the show at the at the very edge of of crossing over into being a mass hit right and mm. it was still kind of cultish at this point it was still on Friday nights at nine o'clock or whatever it was but I think in season I believe it was season four it moved to Sundays and that was like a big deal but that it, it moved to Sundays because it became like a top ten hit and yeah. so you and I think it's hard to um it's hard to remember that I think you know like we'll have to keep reminding each other of the fact that the x-files was a top 10 hit at some point because yeah. you know i think aside from like the next generation this is probably the most popular show we've ever done um 
that yeah, we just came off of United States of Terror, which no one watched, yeah, like, and Firefly, like, which was canceled after. Yeah, right, exactly. Like two hundred thousand people watched the United States of Terror, but so I think that that it, it's almost interesting to me because it, it's kind of a way that the show was, I think, realizing that the mythology stuff was resonating with an audience, and so they were trying to put it into like other episodes. And it's just got this like strange atmosphere of the yeah. government is doing something or they're trying to cover it up. And you're like, OK, but, but I don't know, it works fine. Like, I think it's vague, but it, the, the episode moves so fast that you don't really yeah. notice that there are some severe plot holes in it until you stop watching it and start thinking about it. Well, I would say that the mythology parts of this episode uh, for... Sejura. What the hell was the episode we did? Casulari? Ca- I, I already forgot the name. Cal- of it. Calamari. Calamari. Uh, the mythology episode elements of Masculata make give it a give it that resonance. So we have all of these taglines. The truth is out there. Uh, I want to believe. You know, generally we are on the side of Mulder and Scully who believe that the truth needs to be out there and that their job is to shine the light on all of this stuff that is going on. And now we have two very, we have two relatively realistic situations in this episode, the escape of a couple of dangerous prisoners and an outbreak of a deadly disease. In both cases, and and the discussion of the truth is out there becomes muddied when this might panic people, is, is telling the truth about, oh, there's this, deadly disease happening is this going to panic people is this going to make them freak out or will it help them to uh will it help to the quarantine i mean at the end of the day you need to think uh we need to apprehend these prisoners we need to contain the spread of the disease is the truth going to help or hurt that Mulder seems to think oh the truth is always good but even scully admits at some points the panic will will be more dangerous than the problem yeah, because I, I, I think that this episode really hinges on a fundamental philosophical disagreement between mm-hmm. Mulder and Scully, which is part of the reason why it's so interesting, is that you're right. Mulder believes that the truth is, bar none, the most important yeah. thing in the world. And he does not believe in governmental secrets. He does not believe in keeping information back from the public. He believes you know, in a very sort of classical idea that uh, everybody deserves to to know everything that's going on and they can handle it. Uh, whereas Scully, I think, is coming at it from a more, uh, I, I don't necessarily want to say practical, maybe pragmatic well, is a better word, because she mm. she seems to realize that the, the truth, I, I think that for her, the truth is one of many ways to get yeah. at a particular goal. And I, I kind of come down on her, I, I kind of come down on her side in this episode yeah. more than Mulder's side because I don't know what telling everybody in the world that this disease exists would really do. Now, the other half yeah, of way, this, of course, I, is that the people involved in covering up the disease kind of seem a little bad at it, but that's a side issue. Yeah, well, I mean, they muddy the waters a lot because. I, I, there's the girlfriend of the prisoner who says, you know, well, it's not on TV. I didn't see anything about it. You're lying to me. She doesn't believe this because the, I mean, this is funny to say in 2017, but the news media has not alerted to this and, and therefore she is not going to trust just some random person telling her. Um, and, and so the lack of broadcasting about this is hurting, uh, is hurting the effort. But I mean, the cigarette smoking man says to taunt Mulder, you're already, you know, part of the problem. You're just sitting here and yelling at us while people are dying. So are you doing your job? Are you actually helping people by this? And, you know, as much of an asshole as the cigarette smoking man is, he has a little bit of a point. And that's echoed with Scully's line, there's a time for the truth, but this isn't it. We have we have two two escaped convicts who may be killing and infecting any everybody and they need to be dealt with, and then we can unpack what the truth is later on. Mulder even agrees when they find the uh, truck, the camper that's been hijacked at the rest stop. Um, he looks at the body and says, "You know, these guys are dangerous, whether or not they're infected. They are going to they're, they're going to kill people and just just to get home. Yeah, whether or not they're infected is is irrelevant. They need to be captured." 
But yeah, I, I think you're right, and I, I like the fact that the episode makes Mulder both right and wrong, of yeah. course, because, uh, you know, uh, uh, U.S. Marshal Hank Schrader, um, yeah, who, who so later nice moves to, to Albuquerque and becomes a DEA agent, uh, you know, It's he, weird seeing him young and thin, but anyway. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, uh, he, he, his later years treated him very well, is my interpretation, but that's a difference, you know, that's just me. <laughs> uh, that... You know, Mulder is obviously very good at being an investigator, and the mm-hmm. U.S. You know, Hank Schrader, U.S. Uh, Marshal, is not. Uh, he is a, a blunt instrument that is not really uh, good in situations where he has to uh, use his brain, uh, charitably speaking. And mm-hmm. so, I like the fact that Mulder, like for example, he says, "Oh, you know, uh, let me find out if he like made a phone call from this phone booth over here." Do you think of that? Yeah, but. Mulder also puts everyone in severe danger at the end of the episode with his desire to get a statement from a dying man who is about to uh, spew, uh, you know, larva everywhere. And, yeah. But, but the, the, you know, what's even sadder about that is why would that even matter? Like, yeah, I, who's going episode... to like, OK, so Mulder goes to the press and says, I have a statement from a dead man. And they're going to say, well, what's your evidence that he wrote? Did he record yeah. it? Did he have any evidence? It's just all it's hearsay upon hearsay. And so Mulder is so single minded about the truth, getting the truth out there in terms of of the show's language that he doesn't realize that he's not actually going to be successful in doing that. Yeah, what is the uh, line from Erlen Meyer Flask? All of the evidence and none of the evidence. Uh, this is yet another situation with that. And I like that the the Hank Schrader Marshall is, I mean, he's a good character too. He is, uh, you get the sense he is good at his job. He, while there's a little bit of jurisdictional pissing at the beginning, he and Mulder very quickly learn to work with each other. I don't think the two of them divide the labor the best, again, at the end in the bus scene. Uh, maybe Mulder doesn't make the right decisions, but <laughs> that's putting it mildly. I think. <laughs> but but Hank's point to Mulder is: Have you ever been on a manhunt like this before? And when you know Mulder admits he hasn't, uh, this is the kind of thing that needs a particular style of experience. I would say. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I kind of disagree with you a little bit because I don't think that that the U.S. Marshal, especially Hank Schrader, U.S. Marshal. They, they kind of feel like they're in a different television show. Yeah. And it's a little bit cliche on in an episode that, that is very careful to avoid cliches. I think that, you know, the, the hard-talking, hard-hitting, uh, cynical U.S. Marshal who's just there to get the guy. and You know, I mean, it's, it's a little played out, I think. Well, in... This episode feels like, again, it has a couple of spots where I'm not sure that it understands how certain things work in the real world i mean very specifically prisoners mail is gone through no matter what the prison is i mean and this package is just i mean in most of the cases prisoners are probably not receiving you know infected legs but they're receiving drugs (laughs) they're receiving weapons and stuff like that and so there is our people at every single prison who will go through this stuff um I'll, i'll talk about uh, the the ending in a second because uh, I may have a couple of facts wrong. If I found it very confusing, but it feels like the U.S. Marshals were put in as a rare. Oh, this is how the world would actually work. In other words, you have Mulder and Scully. All right, we're going to have them investigate this prison. We'll have these two fugitives. They'll be capturing the fugitives. And someone said, "Well, you wouldn't have t- two FBI agents doing this. You would have a whole team of U.S. Marshals." working on this case that's what would happen and so okay we have to write this character in i mean it, you're you're right it does seem like it's the epi- let's take away this issue of jurisdiction for a second it doesn't need those characters it could just be Mulder and Scully investigating as they do in the episode yeah and i they- I, I think that i mean obviously part of the reason the us marshals are in the episode is to divide Mulder and Scully up and yeah. you know that's something that the show does sometimes to to good effect and i think it works well in this episode yeah. I, you have I, a two-pronged investigation. You can have the two stories happening at once, right? And and you know we'll deal with with Scully's story in a minute. But I, I the final thing I'll say about kind of the setup for the episode is that I I like the fact that 
the episode plays around with the idea or the expectation that they were they don't know why they were sent here they 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 say mm-hmm. outright at the beginning of the episode that looking into escape federal prisoners is not necessarily yeah. something that the FBI does and they don't know why they were sent there and you know they 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 take the hostility of of Hank Schrader US marshal and turn it back on him and say you know you didn't call us in. We don't know why we're here. You know, mm. we, we're just here to help you. So help yeah. us figure out why we were called in. Now, I think that the interesting part of that is they're playing around with the audience's expectation that this might be another thing like the fluke man from the host. That, yeah. Uh, Skinner saw this case and realized that something else was going on and sent them to this prison not to look for the prisoners but to find out what is going on with this disease instead now of course it turns out that is not what happened but the show i think is playing around with that expectation a little bit that was my i mean you don't see i i feel like at the beginning of the season Mulder would have been protesting this assignment a lot more but yeah you can imagine scully saying behind the scenes well remember when you told me about that the episode the host and what happened there well uh, let's go with this. Maybe this is, yeah, that, that's kind of what I thought it as well. But then of course, what it, what it turns out is that it, 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 Skinner seems to be walking a fine line. And I think that let, let's talk about Skinner and let's yeah. deal with Skinner because, well, actually before we do this, can I clarify the plot of the episode? I, I can try. We can try. <laughs> so the backstory, so I, because there are some sequences of events I'm not 100% sure of. So this researcher, Torrance, I think is his name, uh, Robert Torrance, Robert, let's call Robert him. Torrance, yeah, that's actually his name. Good job. Wow. So there's this researcher, Robert Torrance, who is working for Pink Pharmaceuticals, um, at, and he's in the rainforest. He's investigating. While in the course of this, he discovers this horrible species of cockroach. Um, the re- The company finds this finds that it has some kind of dilation property some kind of medical thing and want to study it further however they want to see people infected with this thing before they rather than testing it uh i don't know why they would want to do that but let's just assume that that's the case they're evil I mean, yeah, but but they're also stupid. I mean, if this is something that's being used as a dilative, so let's assume that's, I don't know, the eyes or whatever. I, yeah, I don't know um, they want to make a super eye drops out of it, let's say, or something to induce labor. I don't know, but whatever they want to what want to use it for, they it would not be. I don't know. Uh, I'm not a pharmaceutical person, but I don't know of any treatment that is administered by having a boil explode upon the patient i mean it would be they would be refining this chemical into a pill or a drop or something like that but anyway you don't have that happen i go once a week to have that done uh that's not a doctor but anyway um i they need to do this and they find out oh there's a prison where there's a convicted murderer who's also named Robert Torrance. So we're going to send that the Robert Torrance in the prison this leg so he gets infected. That way when people come and say, "Well, why did you send this to Robert Torrance prisoner?" "Oh shit. I meant to say Robert Torrance at the college." "Oh fuck. We're so sorry about that mistake." Um and then the rest of the episode happens. Um Things apparently get worse or go exactly as planned. Pink sends its researchers in to deal with the situation and then um, somehow they enlist their buddies in the FBI to get to investigate this situation uh, or to deal with the whatever. Um, And that way when the FBI goes and says, you were doing research, how terrible – Pink and say, no, you were the ones doing research. We're innocent and checkmate. Is that, do I have it right? I, I, I think mostly yes. I, I'm a little unclear about the end. I think that that more what it was about is, uh, I mean, it seems to me that the cigarette smoking man and whoever he works for yeah. uh, were essentially trying to set Mulder and Scully up to to fail and to 
I, I think that in a way that the, the only thing that, that is a little unclear to me is, you know, that, that scene in Skinner's office when Mulder, you know, bursts in and, you know, he's, he's like the incredible Hulk. He's extremely angry. And yeah, I, I think the idea is that they were, he was going to go public and that was going to be a vehicle for them to finally discredit Mulder and to get yeah, rid okay. of him. Uh, but mm. of course, Mulder doesn't do that because someone shoots the guy. Now, I I think that that's accurate. I mean, I don't think it's the best plan, and I think that you know, yeah. if you look at it from the point of view of would this actually make sense, I mean, no, of course not. Uh, why would anybody ever send something? I mean, the fact that the, the prisoner has the same name as the scientist, like, that's yeah. just incidental. I mean, it doesn't... You know, I you don't send mail to people. You send mail to yeah. people and addresses. So, <laughs> this, you know, we're not talking about like a wrong phone number uh, or something. So it yeah, is a little bit impl- like what's going on here. But <laughs> it, I, again, the parts of the the parts of the episode that the setup and the plot maybe make no sense, but I, I felt that the again the imagery was strong enough. The thematic stuff, even if it doesn't make sense from a logistics perspective. What it's doing to resonate the themes makes sense to me and works for me. Yeah, and I and I, I think the episode, like like contrasting it with the episode we just talked about, Kalashari, yeah. like it it takes the setup and it takes these events very seriously. At, whereas one of the reasons Kalashari didn't work is that it didn't take it seriously. You like knew you were watching a television show, and everybody in that episode kind of knew they were in a television show. Whereas in this episode, that is not the case. Uh, also, I count. 19 people dead instead of the 18 that they mentioned, but that's another side story. That's another part of the conspiracy, Richard. Mm. So there's, so they mentioned four, they mentioned 14. And this is like me being total nerd. I counted this. They mentioned 14 infected at the beginning. We've got Dr. Osborne. So that's 15, two prisoners, 17, the wife, 18, the clerk, 19, and possibly the child. So as many as 20. Yes. Well, was the clerk infected? You get the sense he is. I mean, they're taking him away in the uh, thing at the end. So oh, the it, bubble, it is, yeah. yeah, it is possible that it turns out that, like Scully, he was not actually infected. But yeah, how, yeah, how can well he should be a main cast member in the show, and then that's how you protect yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so I, I want to talk about Skinner, and I want to talk about Scully because yeah. I, I like Skinner in this episode a lot, and I, I think that this is a really good episode to uh, put a put a further layer on Skinner, really. I mean, he is a character that—I mean, I'll ask you this outright. He is a character that originally you thought was going to be an antagonist. He still kind of is, but he yeah. also is working with Mulder and Scully in a way to the point that he went to uh, uh, Mulder's apartment building and essentially beat up— uh, a deeper throat to get the information that he needed for Scully to find Mulder. Uh, so he is someone who who is trying to protect them yeah. in a way that he can, but he is also really being used by uh, the cigarette smoking man and whoever the cigarette smoking man works for, whoever Krychek works for. So, oh, I forgot about Krychek for uh, a second. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's 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 still out there. I know. Somewhere. Yeah, I say he's still in play. He's a, uh, um, you you know I. I really do think of Skinner in that context of Scully's line, there's a time for the truth, but not yet. Skinner may be working a lot more conservatively timetable-wise than Mulder would like. Uh, Perhaps Skinner may take a couple more risks safely than he is willing to take at this point. Uh, At the same time, Mulder is like, let's go, let's do this, all right, I've got a tiny scrap, we're gonna go to every paper in the world, um... And I guess Scully is kind of the character who is in between the two of them and has to moderate between, you know, do we do we wait? Do we stop? Do we just take a slower look at this? Or do we do this now while, while we have time and while we still can? Um, and I, again, I think that's I, – I think Skinner knows he's being used at this point uh, that – at, at, at certainly at the moment of I'm reopening the X-Files was him recognizing. And I think while he, I think he has to recognize that in this case, I need to be used because this fight is not going to 
end well either way, and just by running with it, I can at least mitigate some of the damage control, I can at least stop Mulder from doing anything too crazy, and then we can just... We just need to get over this, get these two, have have the outbreak and the criminals dealt with because no matter what, that those are problems that need to be solved. If this isn't a major victory, if this is just one where we just end up status quo at the end, that's what this one has to be. We're we're not going to blow up in this conspiracy for this one. Let's get we. It needs to be a bigger story. It needs to be more airtight evidence. Yeah, I think that's kind of where Skinner is taking this. Yeah, certainly, when when Mulder comes up to him and says, "Look, here's my alien friend. We're ready to go on every TV show for you know, for the next week." Skinner will say, "Okay, I'll help you book the appearance. Let's pick out a suit for him." But that's not what's happening yet. Yeah, no, I'm with you, and I think that the other the other the only other thing I'll add to that is. Uh, that I think Skinner is walking a really fine line and I think he knows it. Uh, you know, I don't think that, that the cigarette smoking man necessarily trusts Skinner, but I also don't necessarily think that the cigarette smoking man thinks that Skinner has it in him to betray him or go against his interests. I mean, you know, Skinner, He's more... well, Skinner is, is very receptive to Mulder. And I think, he realized, I mean, he, Skinner really is not, he's not a true believer, but I think that he is like Mulder and Scully. Uh, he joined the FBI because he wanted to help people. And he is now in this untenable position where he is being told to, uh, you know, put his agents in, in danger or, or mislead them. And he will do it because he realizes that he doesn't want to let on exactly where his loyalties lie. But, you know, when push comes to shove, he's James I, Comey. <laughs> Well, maybe he'll become FBI director. You never know. Uh, that that when push comes to shove, I think Skinner will make the right choice. But but yeah. he can't let he can't you know in, in a strange way he's sort of uh, uh, keeping both Mulder and the cigarette smoking man in the dark as to his true intentions. And, and I mean, also let's face it: the cigarette smoking man is not stupid. The cigarette smoking man knows that Skinner. Uh, reopen the x-files and put that no smoking sign in his office i mean that that is skinner making his very subtly and very elegantly making his stand and saying exactly what he needs to say to the cigarette smoking man but just as how Mulder is able to walk around and be okay and be fine and you know not be fired or have a bullet in his head because he has friends and because people know him and because he hasn't done anything that terrible and because people are willing you know there are reasons that Mulder can't be gotten rid of right now and I think Cigarette Smoking Man has as many if Skinner says you know no I know exactly what you're doing we're not investigating that thing okay well you're fired we're gonna get a director in here who is my man and he's going to be I mean, at least Skinner is there and can he he recognizing that sometimes I need to play the game on this one so that way we can win a later fight. Yeah, I I, I think that the two of them are just it. The contest of wills is between well, who's going to have the better fight first? Is it going to be the cigarette smoking man side, and they're going to find the thing that will finally. Uh, bar none, discredit the X-Files, discredit Mulder, discredit Skinner, get rid of all of that and have no problems, or will it be that the X-Files discovers the most damning evidence ever and manages to shut down all these conspiracies? Uh, I think the two of them are playing chess in that way. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Well, and and then, you know, the other thing that we have to talk about, uh, maybe before we wrap this episode up, is... Uh, I, I don't. I don't think there's a lot to say about Scully's story, but I, I don't want to give her short shrift. I think that you know it's it's yeah. it's done very well. It's very suspenseful. Uh, you know, she has a couple of questionable choices, like cutting open the the yes. body. Uh, uh, you know, stuff like that. But but for the most part, it's kind I, of her fault. The scientist dies if you think about it. Uh, yeah, it is. And you know, I think that that she her story in this episode, of course, is there uh, to to ground the I, I think to really ground the episode and to give it a, a, a mm. consistent place because Mulder's you know flitting around uh with the US Marshals going back to DC et cetera et cetera whereas yeah. Scully is 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 essentially stationary for for most of the episode so 
it, you know, it is a way for us to, to keep in one place. And I also think that, um, you know, she's put in danger once again, but you don't think she's going to die, but she gets to watch people die, which is never fun. Yeah. And at, at the very least, the having, oh yeah, you have to put this bug on your arm for a half an hour. I mean, this is a horrible test and it's a, it's a really gross, creepy moment. Um, Why didn't she just I eat mean, it? I mean, she ate a bug, she ate a bug last week. <laughs> But then the, how would they be able to tell if the uh, – like, 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 so the bug has to eat the blood and then they have to get the blood from the bug, but she can't just do – anyway, the po- problem – the point is. Uh, yeah, the, the point is don't question <laughs> it. It's just supposed to be a creepy it, test. It, but again, unlike Kalasari, um, it was – the imagery was a lot creepier a lot grosser this is i mean this is them going as gross out as they can this is along the line and it is very similar to the spore one and frankly one of the reasons i didn't love the spore one is because for example at the end the one student just like i'm just gonna chain myself to you because i've suddenly turned evil i mean nobody in this episode suddenly turns evil the scientist while he's his agendas are a little shady at the beginning once he decides to come clean, is helpful for the rest of the time, and he does what he can to make sure Scully doesn't get reinfected by him. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Well, I think we'll leave it there. The X-Files is back. Good episode. If you have any thoughts on either of the episodes we just discussed, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. You can go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash trek about show if you would like to give us some financial support uh, it is very much appreciated uh, it also supports our other podcast trek about we are wrapping up the second season of star trek voyager this week with resolutions and basics part one facebook twitter instagram we are on there tuning in show is our username and as always please leave us an itunes or apple podcasts i guess review of tuning in I know it sounds silly, but it is one of the best ways for new people to find the show because that's how the algorithms work, et cetera, et cetera. I eventually would like to put this show on the front page of iTunes. So everybody that listens, give a review and that will happen. All right. Next week, we are almost done with the second season. We just have three episodes left. Uh, And I guess it's a good opportunity to uh, tell people that. So next week, we're going to be doing a normal episode. We're doing uh, Soft Light Mm. and Our Town. And then the oh, week good after- English titles. Yes, we're back to English. And then next week, we're only the week after that. We're only doing one episode. We're doing Anasazi. Uh, that is because, uh, frankly, uh, they decided to do an odd number of episodes this season. It is very annoying for podcasters who do two episodes a week. Uh, so instead of doing like the second season and then starting the third season in the same podcast and then having like the numbers get all fucked up for the rest of the X-Files podcast. We're just going to do the Anasazi two weeks. So next week, normal. And then the week after that will be Anasazi. Got it. Okay. I got it. All right. You'll have to remind me, you know, in two weeks, no worries. All right. Next week, soft light and our town. Mac. Why do you-